Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35 and TikTok at AGSpartanFan35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome into the Final Score Pod. Episode 158, we're here, January 23rd, middle of college basketball season, lots going on, we're down to four in the NFL, Um, college football coaching carousel is done for now, question mark, question mark, might spin more this week, we will see, more on that later. Lots to discuss as always, Uh, podium, I'll go first, as I have every episode we've done, I think I've done it every episode, you did one by yourself when I was in Maine for business. So that's the only one you haven't, I haven't been at. So 157, that's crazy. All right. I saw this tweet the other day after uh, just a phenomenal performance in the uh, American Express uh, Open by Nick Dunlap of Alabama, um, 20-year-old amateur, wins on tour, um, for the first time since 1991, Phil at the Waste Management. Then it was the Greater Phoenix Open. Wow, is all I can say. Um, I saw this tweet. Someone that writes about golf um, said this, and it was really interesting. He's right. Youth movement in golf, it's so much different now than it ever used to be. The training, the different um, like simulations, the different technology that is used to analyze data, um, and, and shot tracking and all this stuff, it goes such a long way. And you're kind of seeing it now, like, are more young people going to keep winning on tour? Yeah, like these kids that are playing in the amateurs are, like, turning pro. They're getting really good at a younger age. Um, there's a youth movement in golf, and these young kids are taking advantage of it. And more power to them because it's it's awesome to see um, the new the new blood come in. Um, and you can follow guys. Like, I'm sure this Dunlap kid, he just he dropped out of the tournament this weekend. Um, to focus and have fun and um, I'm sure celebrate um, an awesome victory. Even though he doesn't get the purse for it, he's going to get huge NIL deals, um, which is really cool. Um, But there is a youth movement in professional golf and golf in general. Yeah, I think that's cool. It's too bad when it doesn't happen very often when amateur wins and they win and they don't win any money. But like you said, NIL will be flowing through for sure. All right, my tee up last week, I was a little softer and it was more of a pontification on a point um, made by Mr. Kurt Warner. This week, I'm going to stay in the NFL realm, but I'm going to go back to my usual more on the teed off. Uh, what is that what um, Chip Kip says? T-O'd. I just said T-O'd. Um, I'm just going to say this. F the Chiefs. I'm tired of the Taylor Swift stuff. I'm not. This is not what my podium is about, but I, I am tired of it. I was promised she wasn't going to be there, and then all we saw every five seconds was her and Jason Kelsey, who I do like Jason Kelsey. He was annoying. Shirtless and annoying in the booth, but that's besides the point. I say F the Chiefs because act like you've been there before. Um, and what I'm talking about, if you miss it, is Patrick Mahomes trolling the wide right miss. Obviously, if you were watching the game, it looked like, you know, a stiff breeze took one of Reiner my drives and just like blew it way off course to the right at the last minute. Um, really unfortunate. If you're not familiar with the wide right fame, Scott Norwood and the Bills, I think it was the first of their four in a row, their historic four Super Bowls in a row that they lost. He missed a, you know, like a 40 ish yard field goal to beat the Giants wide right um look it happens and here's the thing is i I, chiefs heard the talk about i have first mahomes playoff game in 16 and he and kelsey have some records set um and they heard about how you know the bills beat them again this regular season can't they beat them on the road they actually finally have to go on the road they don't have to play in kansas so they heard all these things and now did the bills players say some things i'm sure they did guys talk like it's bulletin board material i get it but like the old adage goes, when you win, say nothing. When you lose, say less. And, and here's your your supposed star player, Mahomes, 
you know, mouthing off afterwards and trolling on his Instagram story and whatever. It's like, dude, come on. Like, act like you've been there before. The thing is, is with the Bills eliminated, I'm screwed for the AFC because I don't like either the Chiefs or the Ravens. Um, and now it's a matter of who do I like, dislike less to root for to play? Can they tie? Can they just lose? And can we call 49ers Lions the Super Bowl? Like, I'm so tired of Taylor Swift. I guess I'll probably root for the Ravens because I'm not tired of anything, although I think the Chiefs are a better matchup for the Lions. But besides the point, my podium is Chiefs, shut the you-know-what up. Act like you've been there before because you have. And take care of business. There's no need to chirp back at a team, period, ever. You're a professional. Act like it. That is very true. Um, wish people would act that way. <clears throat> All right, tee up for the week. Came out today. Um Milwaukee Bucks, 30 and 13 right now through 43 games. Um, Got to be toward the top of the East. I don't mean, I don't pay attention to the NBA at all. Fire their co- first year coach, Adrian Griffin. They fired their coach last year. Can't remember his name. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. He was, he did yeah, well. Won a, he won a championship. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were great and they fired him because they lost early in the playoffs last year and they hired Adrian Griffin thinking, oh, he can do better. Fired through 43 games because he's not at, using the roster correctly. All right, 30 and 13. Yeah, failed to maximize the Dame edition is what one of the headlines says. And here's the thing. It takes a while to integrate a new player in with another superstar. You have two superstars all of a sudden. It takes some time. Like Jordan made Pippen. Pippen just didn't all of a sudden show up as a superstar when Jordan was there. That's like it takes time and it takes effort. And 30 and 13 is pretty damn good. Unless there's something that's not really being reported this is what's wrong with just society today. It's like quit and throw it away and pay the next guy bajillions of dollars. It's like, what a waste. Yeah, what a waste. What a waste of money. What a waste of time. I mean, the guy's going to get paid and whatever, but just it's a joke. It's it's another in a, an extremely long list of why the NBA is a complete and utter waste of time it's and joke, period. It should be relegated to below women's professional soccer, in my opinion. Yeah, that's how bad it it's is. gotten really bad. Like I, I said a few weeks ago, I, I haven't watched an NBA game in, since I was in college, and we only would watch NBA games in college because we'd bet on them and watch them as a house as a joke. Um, it's just stupid. Not much going for it right now. Um, all right, time for around the world. Let's get to it. College basketball. Oh, boy, what did we do Wednesday? Was it Tuesday last week, so a week ago? Um, a lot has happened since then. Wow. Um, upsets galore again. Um, don't be ranked in the top ten. That's all I'm going to say. To a rank, don't lose to yeah, an unranked you don't want team. That. It's happened a lot lately. Um, Bailey Zimmerman says you don't want that smoke. No, you don't want that smoke. Um, like we've been saying all along, beating the dead horse. But good lord, is this the most even year of college basketball we've ever probably seen? The turnovers gonna be nuts. Um, I mean, yeah. Look, look at the Big Ten alone. You've got Big Tens, and you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight teams that are three and five or four and four, well, and then four and three throw in there too. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, it it is going to be an interesting, interesting run the rest of the way. That is for sure. Yes, it is. Um, I guess we can talk Big Ten hoops here. Um, What's happened in the last week? Um, since we were on the pod last, let me pull it up here. Wednesday. Well, meanwhile, while you pull that up, spot one in Big Ten Power Rankings and Big Ten Chat are presented by Norris Sports Group. NSG is a boutique agency of experts with 30-plus years of experience in sports sponsorship and much more. Learn more about them today at norrissportsgroup.com. All right. Um, Rutgers in Nebraska last year. Rutgers has not been very good this year, kind of down – um, right after Mission State, I think, cursed them after the, the tragic shooting when they wouldn't change their schedule to for Minnesota. Then Minnesota ends up beating them. Rutgers kind of falls apart, goes to the NIT. Um, they're 10, or I think they're 10 and 8 now. Um, beat Nebraska. That was impressive. Yeah. They they were down something like 18 points in that game. Yeah, they, they came back. They, they're That's so tough to play. It's hard they're to win at the rack, rack, a.k.a. the Jersey Mike's Jersey Arena. Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Northwestern and Maryland have a weird rivalry that they've built the last few years, just like weird old teams. 
Um, Northwestern got him last week. Of course, Bowie played well. I'm tired of that guy. I can't wait for him. He probably will come back next year. I'll find the, a way. The thing about Northwestern that's super impressive is that they're really, really good at home. And that is like historically a very split arena because yep. Chicago is a very Big Ten-centric city. There's lots of fans of lots of Big Ten schools there. You know, there's a lot of Michigan State alumni, for example. I don't know so much about Maryland since they're more of an East Coast team, but um, they're playing really well at home, minus Chicago State, uh, in front of sometimes a split crowd. But it's it's become like a little, nice little advantage at Welsh Ryan. It has, yeah. That's a nice. That's nice. Now they made it. Mm-hmm, that's done a nice job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what, Illinois. They just got Shannon back Sunday on on Thursday. They played without him. Played at Michigan. They kind of struggled in the first half. Um, took Michigan's best punch, and then I they just absolutely obliterated them. And Coleman Hawkins, um, I was not a fan. I am a fan of him now. He's, he's a bit of a mouth breather, but he's probably he's a, one of my favorite really, non-Michigan State really players. Really good basketball player. Yeah, he he's is. fun to watch. He plays the game correctly. He um, hustles. He can shoots, shoot. He can plays good D. Put on the floor. Good passer. He's a stud. He had a man. career game against Michigan. He was, he, he was really animal. good in that game. He's really fun to watch. Michigan's terrible. I'm sorry. Um, Jawan's got to be going bye bye after this year because this is woof. Woof is all yeah, I can say. Yeah, he and Woodson, right? I yeah, mean, like, dude, he's in Indiana. Don't hire an old player too. to be your coach. That's all I'm going to say. Um, speaking of Woodson, Indiana. Um, on the road against Wisconsin on Friday, gives up 91 to a I mean, cheap shot, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, elbow to the neck, like not Indiana's style. Yeah, Bobby Knight used to do, you know, his antics and his ridiculousness, but that was expected because he was a volcano. But for your players to start to do it, yeah. something's out of control there and is not looking yeah, good for they're, Indiana. They're just not very good. They, they started off, I think, 4 0 in the Big Ten. Now they're 4 and 4. They haven't developed anybody. I mean, like mm-hmm. their guard play is terrible. They've always had good bigs under Woodson. I mean, TGD, TJD, mm-hmm. um, Race Thompson. Now they have Ware and Renau. They're pretty good. Renau was really good in the Wisconsin um, game. But good Lord, not very good. Purdue. Um, Goes to Iowa, very cavernous place to play. Um, Iowa's eleven and seven; they're not great. And uh, Purdue beats them by fourteen, eighty thirty and eighteen. Um, just a machine against. And, and Iowa has good bigs. That mm-hmm. freshman big Owen Freeman's a really nice player. He's so those cricky. Um, yeah, it's Polo's boy on the hot seat. No, he's the all-time winningest coach for Iowa. He yeah. just achieved that last week, actually. Um, I mean, they're a fairly young team, but they're they're struggling this yeah. year. I mean, they're eleven and seven overall. Yeah, they're a stretch to make much. the tournament. Yeah, yeah it's going to be tough uphill sledding. Um, Ohio State bounced back, beats Penn State by twelve um, after they lost to them earlier this year. They're only three um, and four in the Big Ten. Yeah, they're team. not. They haven't been world beaters. And then then Nebraska turns around after that loss against Rutgers. Northwestern getting off a big win. Nebraska beats them, um, and apparently, I, I saw Tomonaga was just. Burying threes left and right again. I mean, they're that's that's a fun team to watch. That they're, dude they pisses really you off well. if you have to play against him. But man, he can hit. He's kind of you know. Remember, he reminds me of Jimmer Fredette. Yeah, he does. He just, just can pull from anywhere in the gym. And yeah, he, just, he doesn't hold his follow through. Uh, yeah, it's just he just looks like a kamikaze pilot. He's got like the Japanese the headband, headband going. Sushi, it's, it's yeah, sushi chef. <laughs> it's, but I mean, Nebraska ended this year so far super long streaks against Indiana. Uh, Michigan State and Northwestern, um, like seven plus games. I think in all those cases, Indiana might have been eight. Um, you know, they don't look now, but they do have a, a fairly key injury right now. Um, yeah, on Gary, team. but he's but, a, he could come back. That's but the, that's that's, the that's a that's a solid team. I mean, they are. Let's see here. What's their overall? They're thirteen and five, I think. Yeah, thirteen and five. Uh, thir- fourteen and five. Four and four. Tied for fifth. I mean, they're they're playing for a shot yeah, at, I think if at they the get, four seed. I think if they get to 21 wins, I think they're shooing to make the tournament. But I, it's I, just their strength of schedule outside the Big Ten, great. No, but. No, I, but if they beat good teams in the be, Big Ten. It would be a 10 know. or 11 seed you wouldn't want to see in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Um, I mean, there's what, what did I say? Iowa, Minnesota, Ohio State, Indiana, Michigan State, Nebraska, Northwestern all have three or four losses in the conference. They're all battling for that fourth spot because the top three are locked. I, there's, you cannot convince me otherwise. No, it's not move. Unless Zach Eady gets hit by a bus, that's they're locked. Wisconsin's playing really well. Um, they're up right now. You know, it's 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 been interesting. you got three games going tonight. 
quickly, my power rankings, uh, we don't even need to talk starting five because my starting five sucks. Uh, Michigan dead last, Penn State 13. But I said it last week and I'll say it again. I think Penn State's one of those they're teams sneaky. that I wouldn't want to play them in the Big Ten tournament. And I think that they're going to get some wins. Are they going to make the tournament? No, they're 9 and 10. But I think they could end up north of 500 and, and make a run in the NIT because they've got some nice pieces on that team. I think they're they're going to be building for a, a, you know towards something maybe for the next couple of years yeah. if they can keep people. Iowa 12th. I mean, I think a lot of these are interchangeable. Iowa 12, Rutgers 11, Minnesota 10. Minnesota battled Michigan State for a bit the other night um, and is really big. And Michigan State gets them here again in a couple, what, next week maybe on the road? Um, a couple weeks. Maryland 9. Maryland's one of those teams that, you know, they've got some talent. But really they just defense. can't quite get over the hump. We'll talk a little bit about the Michigan State, you know, win there. That was a big setback for Maryland because they don't lose at home very often. Ohio State's struggling. I've got them down to eighth, although you could still probably say they would flip with Indiana at seven. I think there's a there's a big gap between seven and the rest, honestly. I have Nebraska at six, and I have Michigan State ahead of them, even though my past history is to you know not put teams ahead or behind that have won. I, I'm going to base that on the what's there for the taking in front of them. I think Michigan State's a better team than Nebraska, but at this point you could argue – Nebraska could still be ahead of Michigan State. I still have Northwestern number four. I think they're a little bit one-dimensional, but they're just another team that you just don't want to face. And the top three is is the top three. It's Illinois, Wisconsin, then Purdue. And any of those three, I really truly believe, could beat the other at any given time. Wisconsin sits at the top, six and one, 14 and four. Purdue, 17 and two, 16 and two. Illinois 14 and four, five and two. So I, I mean, Northwestern's right there with three losses. And like I said, a pile of teams with four, but I just, I think those three are by far and away the next three. And then it's really probably truly Michigan state, Northwestern, maybe Ohio state, maybe Nebraska, if they can stay healthy to, to fight for that, the, the double buy. Yep. Um, Anything else Big Ten? Because I got some other stuff. Uh, no, not really. Well, let's say, let me ask this. How many Big Ten teams do you think make the dance? Um, I, I'm at six right now, maybe seven. Um, Purdue, um, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Indiana, and Ohio State, I think are, are you know, team one of the two could get in if they um, end up getting closer to 20 wins. But I, I think six for sure. But it's not the Big Ten of last year or the year before, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think six or seven at this point in time could change. I don't think it's going to be much less than six. I don't think it's going to be much more than seven, but it wouldn't surprise me to see like a Penn State pull off a run in the Big Ten tournament. And see, Ohio State did it last year. Right. The losing so, record. Um, all right. So now moving on to the national. Uh, if you remember, dating back to last year, um, I love to look at that. I'm not much of, I'm like Izzo. I'm not a ton of an analytics guy because we'll get into that during the Michigan State segment, but analytics don't always tell the whole story. Uh, but Ken Palm has been pretty accurate historically, as in, Teams in the top 40 on offense and the top 22 on defense at the end of the regular season have won the national championship every year since 2002. And I think that's when they actually started to track it. So yep. every year, and probably if you could retroactively track it, probably. I'm sure that. Michigan State in 2000. It makes sense, right? Like top 40 on offense, you know, it means you're good. You're really good on offense and you're excellent on defense, top 22 on D. So who falls into that category as of today? As in, I looked at Ken Palm tonight before the podcast. Purdue, they're number two on offense, number 13 on defense. Arizona, number seven on, on offense, number five on defense. Auburn, kind of a surprise. They haven't yeah, really played really much. Good. But they've been really good. Number nine on offense, six on defense. Here's another outlier for you. BYU, 13 on offense, 20 on D. So they're kind of skating a little bit towards the outside there. Uh, here's a team that is hotter than Hades, North Carolina. Hey, that's my team of the week. 15 on They're offense, fun. four on defense. Uh, you know, talk about a turnaround from last year. Houston has struck, struggled a little bit more in the Big 12, you know, making the move up from the AAC. Um, 17 on offense, number one on defense. I think they're, you know, that's always going to carry them. Tennessee is 19 on offense, number two on defense. It's another really nice team. Um, here's the kind of a surprise team for us. Michigan State right now, number 30 on offense, number 22 on defense. So just hanging by a thread on D. But I think some of their efficiency stats and some of those other things are pretty remarkable, actually, when you look at it. And their turnovers are 
Lowest they've excellently been in now. Era. Uh, Marquette is the other one as of today. 37 on offense, 12 on defense. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams with a shot as of today. It ebbs and flows a little bit. It kind of will range from eight to 12 over the next few weeks, I would say, because there's some other teams. These are the don't count them out teams. UConn, number three on offense, 29 on defense. So they're close. Kentucky's a little bit more of a long shot only because although they just bolstered their roster with an amazing player, a 7-2 guy that plays like a guard. Kentucky's number four on offense, number 75 on defense. So they've got a ways to go on defense, but that's still a loaded roster. Wisconsin is actually not too far out there at five on offense, five on offense from Wisconsin. That's crazy. 50 on defense. Illinois is actually really close. Eight in offense, 27 on defense. So they could easily swap in there. And then Kansas, 27 on offense, 25 on defense. So realistically right now, those are four teams. Kentucky's probably more of a long shot out of there, maybe even Wisconsin. But like that's where that nine could easily play down a little bit or go up a little bit. But um, I'll, I'll give you that fodder from week to week. So here, here we are, January 23rd. First time we're looking at it over the next, what, six weeks or so. Yeah. Got nine teams, Purdue, Arizona, Auburn, BYU, UNC, Houston, Tennessee, Michigan State, Marquette. Um, if this was the last week of the regular season, I would say make sure you have a bracket with one of those teams winning it. Yeah. Um, so that's it for me for college basketball. Yeah, I don't have anything else. All right, spot number two. We're going to go hodgepodge mailbag, sponsored by Mitchapalooza. With a sprinkle in from Chris as well. We got five questions from Mitchapalooza, ranging lots of different sports. So they're all good. Mitch, we love your questions, so bring them in here. Number one, what is your favorite Tom Izzo reaction or tendency? Mitch says his is the hand in pockets when he gets emotional, like Stephen Izzo shot or Cassius on Senior Day. That's a good one. Mine um, is the throne, like the the throne fits, like he kind of puts his head down and he just like pumps his fist in the air really hard. Like when they get a big defensive stop or whatever. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's when you know things are going really, really well. Michigan state's on a big key run or they're like pulling away in a big game or something. One of my favorites is the, the, the chase after the ref sliding his feet yeah. after the ref. That's great. I can just picture closing my eyes and shuffling his feet after the ref. Here's, um, here's one for my boys too. Going back to our era at Michigan state, the Judd thud, he would like his eyes never seemed to make eye contact with anybody, but like you knew he was talking to you, and he would just like slap his forehead, like he was bald, and he would slap that forehead when he was mad about a, a bad play by Steginga or or Mark Montgomery or Steve Smith, which didn't happen very often, or Respert or Snow or whatever, or if it was a bad call from the ref. Um, that's that's a little bonus shot shot there for you, Mitch. All right, number two, Mitch says, how many lions? do you think are trending toward the circle of honor or Hall of Fame careers? He has three currently, Amon Ross St. Brown, Penny Sewell, and Frank Ragonow. Yeah, I think those three for sure. Um, I'd, I'd maybe add Laporta in there as well. I think that he can, if he just stays healthy, he can be one of the best tight ends in the league for a Yeah, he's a lead. I mean, he's a great blocker, and he's an even better pass catcher, great, great route runner. Um, I would agree. St. Brown is just continues to be sneaky good. He's got that chip on his shoulder. The, you know, he's not the only guy to memorize all the players in this position to, you know, be drafted. Um, Draymond Green famously can recite everybody that was drafted in front of him too. You know, like a lot of guys use that, but he uses it for good. And minus, I put in my notes for a while. We'll talk about this more in spot five, but uncharacteristic drop on a key third down in this first half that I thought was a, a huge momentum changer at the time made up for it as the game went on. But I think, I think he's special, you know, is he like Calvin Johnson special? No, because he just was otherworldly at six, five with an amazing vertical and whatever, but he just is a guy that's going to get you when healthy 120 catches a year and key yeah. catches and make big plays Sewell is fantastic. I, I can't disagree with that. Ragnow is just a, he's just a stud. I mean, the dude playing with every potential injury known to man and doing it for the love of team. Goff loved it so much that he had him, you know, dragged him to his post-game interview. Um, you know, I mean, I think the, the bright side is the Lions are actually still a pretty young team. I mean, you look at it, four of their best players and biggest contributors this year are rookies. So they're going to be around for a while. Yeah, does it get expensive to keep guys? 
Yeah, but I mean, what they have is is potentially very sustainable. Um, and so more guys could certainly fit in there. So it's hard to argue with any of those guys. I would say for me, a lock out of that is probably Ragnall for sure. I just, I mean, not maybe Hall of Fame, but I think, you know, Circle of Honor for sure. I just think he embodies, he embodies grit for sure. Yeah. All right, moving on to number three. How many strokes would you need to make the cut at Augusta in April? 36 holes and the cut is minus three. So how I don't, think we, there, I don't think there are enough strokes. So yeah, so what kind of head start? Are you talking like you'd have to start every day at eighteen under? So you're start at thirty six under. Could oh you gosh, shoot thirty nine over and make the cut in two days? Probably on not. that course. Thirty nine over. I mean, what is that? So thirty nine over is. I'd probably shoot over a hundred. Thirty nine over would be. Um, well, that's that's just in two days. So, you know, 18 over a day, that's a 90. There's no way. I mean, yeah. I would say, let's see. I think I could shoot like 100 and, 110, I'll say. So just to answer the question, I'm going to say that I need, I need a what lot. is that, I'm 38? I need 76 strokes to make the cut. A lot. What about you, Mitch? How many strokes do you need? Mitch Chris, is, Mitch many, is really good. How so. many strokes do you need? Um, Mitch is close to scratch. Okay, so I said seventy six. You you probably need more than that because you suck compared to me. Hundred thousand. So, kidding, kidding. Um, Too many. Yeah. So that's a good question. Though. I like to think about that. Make us do a little bit of math. Math's hard. Uh, number four from Mitchapalooza. If you could create a golf tournament from scratch, where would you host, and what type of event would it be? Like, would it be stroke play, match play, team play, etc.? I think match play is really cool. Um, because there's only the one, the only one tournament that does it. And it's the the WGC whatever mm-hmm. Dell Technologies whatever the hell it's called. Um, I think it'd be fun to do match play. I don't know. I I, I kind of like to rotate it. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a certain course in mind. Um, and score doesn't matter to me. Like if guys uh, can kind of tear it up, I would love. I would like to see this because maybe it would help make it more reachable for the average golfer. I would like to see a match play rotating in the courses at Bandon. And I would like, cool. and I would like to see a way for them to pull in the par three course. Like one day they play 20, I, I don't know if that's nine or 18, but play that course as well in there as like a bonus overtime round or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. Pine Valley would be sweet. Yeah, um, Pine Valley, yeah, that would very be Very hidden, one. no one knows anything about uh-huh. it. It's always ranked in the top two or three. Or like those those courses that are like in the Hamptons. I think one's called like Friars. About Cabot, Cabot Cliffs or whatever up in British Columbia or not British Columbia. It doesn't even look real. Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah, Nova Scotia. That's just insane. So good question there, Mitch. And number five, he says he's right. We don't talk much about much yeah, about it wings, but shout out baby. the red wings trending towards the yeah, playoffs we're not, we're not i mean i'll watch I'll, i keep track of the wings i don't mm-hmm. i don't know a ton of, i know some of their players but they're in the first wild card spot right now um playing really well i think I'd make the playoffs that'd be awesome um and i'll admit score like we we went a couple of us went to the griffins game which is their you know number one affiliate uh for new year's eve which is also a traditional red wings thing it's a blast. Like hockey is so fun. It's just, it's not because it's not a sport that I necessarily grew up with. Like I watched it as the Red Wings, especially took off in the nineties and two thousands and got really good. And I knew all those guys knew the players watch. Now, if they get in the playoffs, I will watch it religiously because I've said on this podcast before, minus March madness. It is. There's nothing like playoff hockey. I, I just, I don't, I don't care what you say for my money. There is nothing like I still, and I've said it on the podcast before. I can remember talking to Kristen before she moved to, to Michigan. So before we were even engaged, watching the double overtime Stevie Y game winner on a slapper from the, about the blue line against the blues to send them to the conference championship. Then they were in the Western conference, the Western conference championship, just like, and going crazy like that horn sound, the I, I mean hockey's fantastic. I'm just and I know enough about it to, to watch and pay attention to what calls may be called. It's just not typically where I stop. I typically stop at college basketball or whatever, but come the playoffs, especially no, it's not on TV for like I mean they, they have ESPN now. Yeah, they have cool, a little bit of it. But, but it's but not like we have Bally or you know NHL network. Bonus there is that I always was a Michigan State. I've always been a Michigan, Michigan State hockey fan. Been great. Michigan State went to the Frozen Four twice when I was there, and you could do, hockey was so popular then that you could only get half season tickets as a student. And I went to a game I remember on a date where Michigan State down by one against Miami Ohio, face off in their zone, four seconds left. 
won the draw, pushed it back. Steve Sue, Chris, you probably remember him, slapped it in to put it into overtime. Like, and Michigan State was really good, and they have not been great since they won the national championship in 2008. They're really good now. Well, bonus shout out to them. They got slaughtered at Mun by Michigan, seven one. We got down four. Was it four to one? Four one at First Yost, period. and then had the biggest comeback ever and won at Yost. So much so that the Michigan coaches wouldn't shake hands and beat them seven five. Michigan State is top five, depending on what poll you look at, and has a team that has a, at least a pretty decent outside shot at making the Frozen Four this year. So that's fun to watch because they haven't been that great lately. They had a couple of really good players in the U.S. Junior team that beat Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the World Nationals, too, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So bonus hodgepodge question. Chris asked, would you have taken a guaranteed scum, for those who don't know, scum is one of the terms of endearment my buddies have for Michigan, SC, U of M, scum. Uh, would you have taken a guaranteed scum loss in the natty, but it means you never see a Super Bowl title for the Lions in your lifetime? No. I'd take the Lions title over that crap. Here's the thing. I'm I'm closer to the end of my life, hopefully not really that close, but than you are. Um, I've already noticed that I think because Michigan fans know, A, they're losing Harbaugh, they're losing all their good players, but I think they know that at some point in time, regardless of what the NCAA president said, the shit's going to hit the fan. I have not heard word one from a Michigan fan lately at all. About, hey, we won the natty, whatever. I mean, maybe I'm just not around them much. Maybe they just know not to poke the bear. But I think it's almost like it was a relief to them. They celebrated it and they moved on. Um, So I would say, no, I'd like to see. I mean, like, especially if the Lions could do it this year or anywhere in the near future. It's just they haven't even been to the Super Bowl before. So to win it would be phenomenal. I just think of what it would do for Detroit. I look at Michigan's like, we all know the truth. It was not earned as much. It was is okay. So they earned it with some play, yes, but they had a lot of very fortuitous help along the way that was done through illegal means. So that national championship to me means nothing anyway. And whether it gets vacated or not, eventually, it's meaningless. So I don't count it. So I would rather see the Lions win the Super Bowl. Yep. Agree. All right. So moving on to spot three gets its own spot now by itself. Golf. So, Ryan, you talked about this a little bit in the open, your open, your podium. The significance of an amateur winning for the first time since 1991. To put it into context, the last amateur to win it was Phil Mickelson, won the now Waste Management, then the Phoenix Open in 1991 as an amateur. Obviously, we know where he's gone, minus off the rocker, uh, where he went with his career. Um, I saw some stat that had to do with 1952, and I can't remember what that stat was related. But, I mean, this – oh, I know what it was. This kid won – the junior amateur and the U.S. amateur, I think, were the two. Only, like, first person since Tiger to do that. And, like, other than that, nobody had done it since, like, 52. Maybe that was what that stat was. But I think, like, that just – it it sends a message that nobody really truly does care who's going to leave for the live because there are plenty of great golfers waiting in the wings with great stories. And his was a great story because he had to hang on. He had to make a six foot nine inch putt, you know, to win it outright and not have to go to the playoff. Um, didn't know where he stood. There was no scoreboard there. He said afterwards, um, just a cool a cool story because he wasn't in line to win millions of dollars. Um, he gets some good exemptions out of it. He's going to make millions of dollars because of it. But it's just a flat great story. And I think there's a lot of significance there because it gives more and more people that push to say, hey, I could do this. How yeah. did, so speaking of that, how did our picks do for the KMX? Yeah, you had a, a nice weekend. My um, guy Burns, I didn't bet on him, but thirty first. He was he was right there, and then I think he choked from second to fifth or sixth or something. Yeah, like he that. got sixth, and then because uh, he doubled the last two holes. Twenty fifth. My guys, now, Ben Griffin did good. Then McIntyre missed the cut after three days. Um, which brings us to the Farmers Insurance Open um, out at Torrey Pines. Very fun tournament. First one on CBS this season, I think, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yes, because of the NFL. Yep. Um, let's go uh, pick. So you got this week. Oh, man, I'm just looking through. You got your guys already picked? Yeah, I, I've got Jason Day, a guy that's historically played well there, and Xander Schauffele, he played well. Um, he's played well this year so far. Yeah, I'm looking. I mean, there's a lot of – some of the guys – is this a – 
No, um, it's not elevated. It's not I think elevated, um, yeah. next week, I believe, is Pebble, and that might be elevated. Might be, yeah. I'm going to go. Um, here's one I'm going to throw at you Sep Straka. Big Sep. I think that uh, I'm looking for guys that I know have historically played well there before. Um, I'm going to go Sep. And I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go with a guy that finished runner up at the Amex, Bizadino. Mm, interesting. He's yeah. been playing pretty, he played pretty well, I think, in um, in the Sony as well. So those are South Africans. Yeah. yeah, it's um, going to be a fun season. Um, Rory won in Dubai, fifth time he's won that tournament. He's you know, cool. Michael Block's playing. Did he play last week too? Or Block, he, yeah, I don't know if he played. I think he did play last week. Uh, first tournament for. Um, Oh, I just saw him on the list, and now I can't see him anymore. Uh, oh, well, doesn't matter. Oh, Max Homa. Yep. Be he won last year, didn't he? No, he won the Genesis. He won the Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. He's a SoCal boy, so um, yeah, that'll be that's a. I like the farmers, and it's not going to be the farmers after twenty twenty six. So kind of a fun one to fun one to watch. Um, all right, so I have two. These could have been mailbag. Uh, but I have two things that I found last week. I haven't been on TikTok in a couple of days. Usually this is where I find these and I save them for the podcast. All right, so pick three. These are golf-related, of course. Pick three for your next round. Number one, free drinks. Number two, course to yourself. Number three, hit all 18 greens. Number four, hit every drive perfectly. Number five, a hole-in-one. Six, play your dream course. Seven, no lost balls. Eight, birdie on every hole. That'd be like, what? I mean, what would you shoot then? You'd shoot a 50, 54. 60, 54. Uh, nine, perfect weather. Ten, caddy of your choice. You get to pick three of them? Pick three. Oh, geez. Uh, birdies, um, every drive perfect, and let me see the other ones again. Hole in one. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the more realistic. Give me free drinks. Give me the course to myself so I can just enjoy it and probably lap, lap it and play it twice in the time that most yeah, people we'll play, play the same hole twice. And give me, I already had a hole in one. And I would say make that on my dream course. Free drinks, course to myself on my dream course. Right. Uh, that's okay. what I would take. All right. So the other one that I had is uh, more of a little checklist. How many of these 10 items have you completed? Number one, played a top 100 course. Yes. Yes, multiple. we've done that. We've done Harbor Town. We've done Arcadia. We've done Forest Dunes. Dunes. We've done quite a few of those. Uh, number two, hole in one. No. Yes. So that's two for two for me. Number three, attended a major. No. I've attended a pretty good amateur, but not a major. No. So that's a zero for both of us. Number four, been on a golf break. I presume that means taking a break from the game of golf for an extended period of time for something other than an injury. Who the hell would want to do that? Yeah. I mean, I maybe I didn't play. I guess that from September on threatened but. it, but that's because football season happened. Yeah. So no, never done that. Played abroad, no, uh, no, because oh no, no. Kristen and I were supposed to play in Bahamas the day that I met Kristen, but um, we got ran out. Uh, six broke a hundred. Yep, yep, both have done that. Seven a bogey free round. Mm, no, well maybe it, I've come maybe. close uh, when I shot the really good score up at Forest Dunes, but no, not a bogey free round. Um, eight, hit a drive over 300 yards. Oh, yep, we've done that. Uh, nine, hole out from a bunker. Um, I've never done it around. I've done it thinking around, but. You've never done it around? Uh, I think I've done it maybe once. I hold out so. a couple times last summer. I've hold out more from the rough. Uh, one, remember a couple summers ago, I hold out like four times. Yeah, <laughs> That's crazy. My longest hole out was actually almost as long as my only one. It's at number 17 at Blayfield. It's like 155. I guess my whole one was 209 yards, but um, that was pretty fun. An eagle on a par five. Um, and number 10, back-to-back birdie. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I think yeah, I've, I've done, done that, that too. Once. So. Yeah, so that was a fun one. Once in Haiti. Um, all right, anything else for golf? No, I don't think so. All right, now a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders Realty will help you find the home that fits your wants and needs, and they make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients for 30 plus years in the West Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. And special shout out because we've been doing this podcast well over three years now and they have been our day one yep. title sponsor, which is pretty cool. And that's not just us saying, hey, we'll read an ad for you. That's actually, they they pay us for the sponsorship and we use that to pay for our hosting fee, which is pretty cool. Yep. All right. Spot state number four, of state. state of state. 
Uh, where should we begin? Football real quick? There's yeah, I'll do much. football real quick. Um, good flip. Yeah, kicker. New kicker. Five-star kicker. That's good because Kim is back, and he was really good last year, but that gives this kid a chance to probably hopefully redshirt and then come in and play. Oh, if right. he sticks around, Michigan State's gotten some good kickers lately that have left, so we'll see. But he was a flip from Oregon State, and I, I like the offensive lineman that we got from Holy Cross, too, FCS. Yes, Luke Newman. Yeah, that's a big get for FCS All-American. That one I was really in football. Looks like um, offering some good guys um, for Clemson yeah. Martin 25. especially is really all over it with uh, with respect to the defensive backs. We offered four like high caliber DBs yeah, last he's week. He's a good recruiter, so it'll be great. Um, I don't really have anything else um, football wise. I don't think um, basketball um, against Minnesota started off awesome. Let the foot off the gas. Finished strong. Tyson Walker. Remembered that he was he's an All American um, the last four minutes and scored our last twelve points. Um, played really well. There's a um, time to accept that he's just typically not all the time, but typically not going to do that all game. And just as long as he does it at the end of the game, we're okay. No, I want it all the time. He needs yeah. a note. He he needs to shoot twenty times a game because at some point in time, Michigan State's going to get so far out, or you're going to have to overcome so much that it's just not going to happen, and it's going to burn them. That's what I think. Which it did early in the season. It has, yeah. Um, don't need that. Um, I'll but, say he's been he's not been scoring quite as much lately, but he's his assist game is kicked up. Yeah. Um, so he's facilitating really good offense when he's because he's he's being manhandled. Uh-huh. Yeah. We say he's not scoring as much. Thirty straight games with uh, double digit points, yeah. almost a record for Michigan State, which is and crazy. he's still third in the Big Ten in scoring. Yeah. I mean he's he's really good. Um, but good win over Minnesota pesky team. Um, then Sunday, um, start off phenomenally in the first 15 minutes, and then the last 25 minutes is a whole different team. Couldn't throw a ball in the ocean. Um, really good defense. Um, again, it's been a really good defensive team all for the most part all year. It's just offense it broke down, um, couldn't couldn't make shots. Um, Maybe what, high, 30, high 30s percent of the score in the second half, like 17 points. It's ridiculous. Um, it's just the offense gets too bogged down. There's a lot of one-on-one dribbling the ball, mm-hmm. late clock. Michigan State's predominantly ter- or usually terrible late clock. Um, if they're not, well. if they're not fast breaking, which they were when they got 44 points in the first half, they're they are so stagnant in the half court. And I think we've talked about this in the podcast. So if you go back to what was it, 2019? 2018, 2019, when Ward got yeah, hurt. Yeah, you know, early February. And Michigan State was like kind of mired a little bit in the mud and they were slogging. And Izzo went to the NBA pick and roll offense because Xavier could do it. And it like took a lid off the, you know, the offense. Well, fast forward, Michigan State's got the guards for that offense still, but because Walker could do it. Theoretically, Hogard could do it, although he can't hit the broadside of a barn two feet away from the basket. I mean, Holloman could even do it. Fierce could do it. Problem is, is Michigan State doesn't have the big guy to do it. Even last year, they marginally kind of sort of did because they could do it with Hauser and he could pick and pop and he had some post moves. So my argument would be, Tom, I know it's out there in the ether. You've got a playbook that has like literally 300 plays in it because I used to scour that thing for stuff when I coached AAU for some brilliance like Zipper and some other plays like Go back to some of that because this, especially in the second half against Minnesota, I get a little bit when you're trying to run clock a little bit at the end of the game and maybe you have a six-point lead. But even then, getting a shitty shot at the end of the shot clock and hoping for an offensive rebound or hoping for a foul is not good because A.J. is one of the worst finishers around the basket. Tyson may be great at the basket, but he's getting beat up. You're putting him at risk. I just, it's so maddening to watch. And teams know. The teams know not to let Michigan State run. Michigan State runs on misses. They run on makes. They run any chance they can get. But if you can get in their way, slow them down, and you turn it into a slugfest, the only saving grace Michigan State has is their defense has been playing really well. I mean, think about the play at the end of the game when they missed actually a pretty good shot to go up, what, four. Um, and Holloman just absolutely had a complete robbery of Maryland's best player in front of their bench. It was excellent at the end of the game. By the way, I've said it before to Ryan a million times and my buddies, my two favorite players in this team by far, bar none, are Holloman and Carr. I still don't think Izzo plays Carr enough. I get it. He makes some freshman mistakes, but he also goes out there and just plays hard. 
Um, I would I would still like to see more of him because Hall, for as great as he's been playing, my fear is he's going to get run down. But yeah. I will say he had a great first half. Really he wasn't well. very good in the second half offensively, but his defense has come along with it. Holloman's been a godsend once he adjusted to having to kind of pick back up some of the fears role, which a little fears update. It sounds like he could be ready. He's progressing nicely and could be ready for the tournament, which is nice. Um, you know, Mahdi, you want to tell the Mahdi story? You don't have to say where you heard it from, but no, I'll keep it under wraps. Just to say that he is an F. There's a hand. reason why he has a bad hand. He's a bad hand. that we learned. Chris, Dave, hit me up. I'll tell you. I'm mean, because I don't. I know this person that told the story to Ryan, but you're not going to know him, and I'm not going to tell you who the source was anyway. But, um, you know, Cooper, I think, has been playing decent. I, my other thing is, is like, again, I've said this since he came back. If you're going to freaking have burned Kohler's redshirt, play him. And here's the thing is, against Maryland, he was playing both ends. He was hustling, and one play he had a block shot, and he saved it out of bounds, and he saved it the right way. He had a, a phenomenal push-through baseline spin move, like, I don't get why you're playing him like three minutes a game, four minutes a game, and not getting him at least eight to ten minutes a game, pushing him towards 15 minutes a game. I, I just don't get it because you don't have an inside presence to score other than a haul or a putback or a run out or a lob because um, that's just not who Sissoko and Cooper are. So uh, I'm struggling with that. Um, you know, it would be really interesting coming up this week. Michigan State really just has one game against Wisconsin – Kind of got smoked at home uh, pre-holidays when Michigan State wasn't playing that great. Um, you know, so it's a big one there up last. I saw 10 at the half at least on, yeah, at Minnesota. Minnesota. It's not a game I expect to win, but it's a game that if you can win, I mean, put the Big Ten. The Big Ten races up is put to bed for me. I, I mean, I think the champ will probably eventually lose a total of four games, but Michigan State's not going to go undefeated the rest of the way and win the Big Ten. So I'm not worried about that. I want to get a double bye. And I want to get as many good quality wins as possible for the tournament. Yeah, um, just make it. So that's going to be the big thing. So question would be then where Michigan State is now, what, 12-7, and 4-4. and 12-7. Taking advantage. You 12 schedule to go, right? Schedule plays, yep. Schedule is pretty good in their favor. Where, fast forward to how you think the season is going to end, how do you think they end up seeded? Mm, I think anywhere. It depends on – on record and who you beat, who you lose to, I, I think they can range from anywhere. I think that the highest they can go if they only lose a couple more games, I think is a five. I think the lowest they can go is a play in 11. Um, I, I would guess probably right around the seven, eight range. Um, I'll tell you what, a seven or eight, that's not what we want as Michigan State. That's not what the goal is. We want a top three seed. We want to be, you know, up there. But if there's a year to do it, this is the it, year because it, there's so I'll much. I'll tell you what. If I was a one seed or two seed, I wouldn't want to play Michigan State and seeing Michigan State in the mm-hmm. second round on a short turnaround with Tom Izzo as the coach. No way. Yeah, no, I would agree. No with way. That. I so I think if if they let's just say absolute best case scenario, they go like fourteen and six in the Big Ten, which means you know that's ten and two down the stretch, and then let's just say they win win it in Indy. I think they could get all the way up to a three seed. I don't see that happening. I I think they're more in the five six range, honestly. Um, but I agree with you. I could see him down to the playing game. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, they still could they still could miss the tournament. It depends on how things go and well, injuries. Final four stuff, twice as a five seed, so yeah. Once I mean, seven. I, I could definitely see in that kind of mid pack range, and I completely agree. If I'm a one or a two, now on prep where you saw him in the Sweet Sixteen as like a five or whatever, uh, sure, but not on two day prep. No way. There's there's just not been a better coach on two day prep than Izzo. Period. No. Um, grades, we kind of talked through the players. I mean, I, it is kind of what it is. Like, I, I can't wait for the, for, for, um, Hogard to be gone. I can't wait to see the future of Fears and Hollum. And I just, I can't, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't with Hogard. I just, I can't. He jogs back when he screws up on offense, he misses a lot of shots. Has he made big buckets? Yep. I'll give you that. Does he make some clutch plays at times? Yep. I'll give you that. But I've had way too much of the senior He's a senior, people, and the brain farts started are years. like I can smell them from East Lansing to here, and I, I'm just like they're unacceptable to me. They just are. They're lazy. He's lazy. That's why I don't like him. Um, here's an interesting one I saw as an article. I didn't read the whole article, but their premise was that Michigan State really has truly lacked a, a true five in the last four to five years, at least since Xavier, which what, four years ago. 
Um, any correlation between that fact and the fact that DJ Dwayne Stevens is no longer That's how Spartan Shadows, I know that for mm-hmm. a fact, and no, there isn't because he recruited Thomas Kithier and Julius Marble and Marble Bobby Sissoko. He didn't even play anymore. I I don't think he I, I think that he was he was he's a good coach I think but I don't think he was some world beating like look look at Michigan State he's doing well at Western look though. at Michigan State's bigs bef- in the era before um, Tillman Ward yeah really good they were on the same team whatever Knicks Gavin Schilling not good Ben Carter not good you had Matt Casello who developed to be really good but. Then who was our center? Like Payne, he wasn't really a center, I guess. No. I mean, Nick's was neither solid. Was, neither was Carter. It's not like Michigan State's had some, some amazing centers. I, I just think that a lot of that's talent. I, I think he's a decent coach, but I don't think that there. That's a reason why Michigan State centers are bad. I think that it, it's just recruiting misses. Uh, to be honest, yeah, with you. fair. I, I guess I don't really necessarily have a take. I you, I think you make some good points there. Um, I think it's. It's interesting. I mean, you I could see where they got to that correlation, to be honest. Um, but I mean, I, look, I think Wojcik you miss is a, up. We've missed Wojcik on is a good coach. I mean, the amount coach. of the amount of recruits that Michigan State's missed on ever. I mean, especially in the last 10, 12 years. I mean, you finished runner up to Duke or North Carolina for big guys that like Vernon Carey. If you remember that guy who went to Duke um, a few years back, he was unbelievable. Like you just finished second to guys like that, and then. Right. They end up being really good players. Like Isaiah Jackson that played for Kentucky, who starts in the NBA, I think, for the Pacers. He was a big that was from originally from Michigan that we didn't get because Kentucky probably threw a bag at him before NIL was a thing. Um, yeah, I'm looking at, at one point, I think he was 4-0 for the first time Western was, I think, in forever. And they're 4-2 they're winning now. Right they're 7-11 and 11 in, in the MAC, so they're pretty tough average. Job. Tough job. You know, MAC jobs are, unless you're Akron or Akron and Bowling Green, Toledo are the three best teams. Um yeah, the, I don't know. The, I you know I asked that question kind of too because do you think that he, I mean Izzo's not going to go anywhere, but is, is he what, a guy it's that? It's funny, it's funny you ask that because I was thinking about this earlier. Like, does Michigan State see with what he's doing in Kalamazoo and say, you know, this is good enough for us to make him the successor? I would personally. Not want him to be the coach. I'd want Michigan State to go outside of the family, find you know a, a guy that's done well at a, a mid major or proven as a at a that a you know a AAC school like the Judd Path almost kind of yeah. I mean like Dusty May from, but he's gonna get the Indiana job if Woodson gets fired. I I think right. Um, you know a guy like Wes Miller that played at North Carolina, coached at Cincinnati, a bigger job. Um, if he keeps doing well, I don't. He, this year they're doing a little better. Last year they weren't good, but Drew Valentine at at Loyola, he would be a decent name. Um, Indiana State's coach, um, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember his name. Shirts maybe. Um, I don't know. It'd be, it, it, it'll we don't be, have to. We don't have to worry about it for really a while because Izzo Izzo says he's in it in it for the long haul. So so we shall it'll be see. Interesting. All right, spot number five, coup de gras. NFL, I mean, the Lions going to their second NFC Championship game ever, first since 19, the 1991 season. It was 1992 when they went. Um, I haven't won a road playoff game since 1950. Or was it 93? It was the 92. 92, right? lost to Washington. Yeah, they lost. They got they scored the first touchdown, if I remember correctly, because Jeff put a hole in our dorm window, and then, uh, then they got throttled, like 41 to 10 or something. 41 like to 10. So one thing that I saw is if – they get the the 49ers and they're about a seven point dog right now. Do they sign Barry to the practice squad so he can get a Super Bowl ring? I think they should. I think they should. That'd be hilarious. Um, By the way, a little plug for that. Bye bye, Barry. Um, good little story. And in, in for Lions fans who certainly know and love Barry, um, it's a great reminder of how bad the Lions front office historically was until this current run. Um, and and how much ineptitude there was there. So it's on Amazon Prime. It's about an hour and a half long. It's it's worth a watch. It's a good watch. Minus the Jamel Hill appearances. She's a bag, but whatever. Um, here's a quick point for you. I think it's 23 and 8 now, um, going off this graphic that Chris sent me. But 20, the lines are 23 and 8 since Peyton Manning and Jeff Daniel attempted to lift the curse of Bobby Lane with the bathtub thing in Ford Field. That was on like Peyton's place or, or some, you know, one of his 
TikTok things or whatever, but really funny. Um, just it, we don't even really need to talk about the other guy. We can talk about him real quick. Like Baltimore dominated Houston. Yeah, That's not really yeah. a surprise. Their defense looked Packers great. Packers 49ers was good. Yeah, that was a really the good Lions game. were a dumb Jordan Love decision away from having another playoff home Yeah, game. I know. Imagine that. I don't, I wouldn't have wanted to play Green Bay, though. I wouldn't have been able to handle losing. And Debo is questionable, so we'll 50, see. 50. Like, if he doesn't play. That changes their offense It changes them significantly because they go from a triple-headed monster with Kittle and McCaffrey yeah, and him, yeah. kind of like the Lions with Laporta, St. Brown, and, and, Gibbs, and Montgomery Gibbs. Um, you know, you take one away, and it kind of makes them a little easier to defend. Here's the reason I think the Lions have a really good chance to win is because as much as I really like Brock Purdy, I think he's fantastic. I think it's, ridic- on him, I think it's ridiculous that there's like a dozen college co- player quarterbacks that make more money in NIL than he does as a near Super Bowl quarterback. He, I was really impressed. I wa- I watched San Francisco a fair amount this year, but I really watched him against the Green Bay, like a little advanced scouting. Really impressed with the way that he can kind of move up in the pocket and doesn't get too flustered in, in out of whack. He, he throws sometimes passes. You're like, oh, we got away with that. And he did that a couple times against the Packers. Um, he doesn't, and, but he, he's not super flashy. He's kind of like a, a golf type of yeah. quarterback. Maybe a little more. But I think if the Lions can get the pass rush, now San Francisco got a really good offensive line, but if the Lions can get some pass rush and if the back end can hold up a little bit, there's no reason I see that the Lions can't win that game. Um, If Debo is a full go with McCaffrey and with Kittle, I think they're going to have to get into a shootout, to be honest, to win that game. Um, But if they can. Niners defense is really good. But their defense is good. Their secondary, I think, is kind of like the Lions. It's a little weak. Their front seven is their strength. So it could be the battle of which secondary screws up the most. Um, they have a younger kicker in Moody. Moody. He's got a bit of a leg, but he's kind of shanky lately. Shanky lately, uh, you know, kind of like a Green Bay's kicker in that game too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the Lions have a have a fighting chance. And here's the thing: is the reason it's not a dis. I mean, it'd be disappointing if they lose, but the reason it's not super disheartening is because they're not favored. Um, and no expect, and, yeah, and there's really game. nobody. I don't think there's really any huge key players that I'm thinking of that go to free agency this yeah. year, right? No one you can't you know, fill a hole with. So with the way hole. they've been drafting and with a couple of few, like they got some things that they still need to shore up. They need another guy to pass rush and and such, some but more secondary depth. depth. But if they can take care of some of those things, there's no reason they won't be back again next year. This is not a flash in the pan, one and done nope. thing, which is why, and because I've already long ago self-avowed not to be as diehard Alliance fan as a Michigan State fan because I can't do both. Sunday was bad enough on the ticker from the basketball perspective and then the Lions game. Um, it's why I, I'll i be calm regardless. Disappointed if they lose for sure because I do think that they can win that game. Um, but know that this is not – this isn't even like 1991 where they kind of rose up with and Barry was it, right? Like they didn't have a quarterback then. And Goff has proven himself as he's he's to stay. Um, You're in his contract. You know, the Lions had a lot of good players back in 99 and 91, you know, like Spielman and Benny Blades and Lomas Brown and Kevin Glover. Like, they had similar types of other p- players. They did not have a quarterback. Um, you know, the Lions have a quarterback now, and he's locked up, or he will be locked up. So, I, I think – this that's the beauty is that, that regardless, line moving, man. regardless of what happens, they're not a one and done, which yeah. I think is the key. I think so. the lines not having Jonah is gonna hurt them a little bit, but yeah. I and you know what? I I'm not I'm not I'm nervous about this game because it would be beyond our wildest dreams as Lions fans to be in the Super Bowl, but I I feel pretty confident about it. Like what Dan Dan Gamble is gonna fly on that plane to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he never punts. Yeah, I don't know that he'll do that. I think early on he'll kind of touch, he'll kind of feel it out and see what he's got. But I, you know, I Lions have nothing. The Lions have nothing to lose. San All Francisco has been really the favorite. I mean, I picked San Francisco to be in the Super Bowl since the beginning of the year. Not that I'm the only voice of reason, but I mean, the the pressure's on them. And honestly, it's like the pressure's on the Ravens. Um, you know, the Chiefs and the Lions are kind of sitting there. The Chiefs have been there a bajillion times, but. They're kind of sitting there like, okay, um, 
I think the Ravens are going to beat the Chiefs. I think the Ravens are they're really good. significantly better. Their defense is good, and you know Jackson's had a high, uh, MVP season. I almost said Heisman MVP season. Yeah, um, they're really really good. I mean, they made Stroud look like a rookie for the first time since the first game of the year when they made him look like a rookie, and it was his very first NFL game. Um, and he's a really good young quarterback. Like their only touchdown was on a punt return in that game. So yeah. Um... Should be interesting. Can't wait. So what are your picks then? I'm going Ravens. Um, Homer, Lions. Ravens, Lions. Ravens, Lions. Rematch. I honestly think it's going to be Ravens 49ers, but I really do think that it's a – I think it's a coin toss. I think if the Lions – So it's supposed to be take, 70 I degrees outside. It's Lions supposed to be 40 degrees. Yeah, not raining like it was last week. So I think the Lions can take care of the ball and don't get too – overwhelmed by the moment Uh, because San Francisco was in the NFC championship last year. I I think the lions can definitely win that game. Yeah. Why not us? Why not us? Um, And then real quick NFL um, thing. I alluded to earlier. Harbaugh second interview with the chargers today. Apparently they're talking staff. Um, I think it's just a matter of time before Jimmy goes bye-bye. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Too bad, Jim. Sorry. Um, what will Michigan do? I don't, uh, we'll cross that path when we get there. Um, but could be interesting. Could Stalin's be is on the market. He's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Selling his Vimeo or whatever for money. What a piece of crap. Um, all right, let's get to Sprint. Um, Sprint's will. We, we, this is what we could have teed up. I forgot about this. That Caitlin Clark. Uh, oh, yeah, the court thing. storm. Will court storming be outlawed? Well, I mean, they've been trying to outlaw it forever. Like, there was one security guard because there were 12 fans at that game. I mean, but seriously, it was, if you didn't see it, it was a pretty good, the girl didn't hit her on purpose, I don't think. If she did, she she did a really good job of hiding it. But it's just like, you put your stars at risk in that. And I mean, look, the SEC has tried to ban it by charging these schools a bunch of money, but they don't give a shit. The kids don't care. Like, it it doesn't impact them unless you ban the students from a game. It's fun. Like in a women's game, I don't really necessarily get it, but I think you may see more security, but I don't think court storming ever leaves the game. No, I don't either. I do not either. I hope it doesn't. I think what it does is it gives you, you need to have, okay, I'm going to put some of it back on the teams. You should have a better exit plan. Like there's a lot of schools that if they know a court storming is coming and they're on, you know, obviously on on the, the away team, They'll just kind of signal down to the bench like, hey, we're going to GTFO because we we don't want to get hung up in this. And coaches kind of nod it out and say, yeah, that's fine. Like, I think there's a mutual respect if you decide to do that. Now, if you're doing that to puss out of a handshake, that's different. But, like, if you g- genuinely feel the crush of it, I don't have a problem with that. Like, if, you know, if let's just say well, we play at Purdue, but if, let's just say Michigan State should never storm the court anyway. But let's say uh, – um, I don't know. Nebraska beats Purdue at home, which they already did this year. Yeah, actually. they stormed the court. Uh, they stormed the court. Like uh, th- those are kind of epic, and those are different. I think then you just you exit stage right, and nothing happens. I think I think that's the key. Like you got to be aware of as a player. It's not Caitlin Clark's fault, but I think you need to be aware of that. Yep. Worst quarterback left in the playoffs. I think it's Purdy. Yeah, and that's tough to say because uh, obviously on the AFC side, they're both excellent. And I think Purdy is, like I said, I think he's very good. I don't think he's necessarily the worst quarterback, but he's by far the least experienced quarterback. Goff's been to a Super Bowl. We forget about that, but he's been to a Super Bowl. He's been balling. Um, And he's been playing well. I think I'd look at it more like not worse, but more apt to make a mistake because they're young and get caught up in the moment, I would say Purdy. I'm not going to say worse because I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Will anyone younger than 20 years old ever win on the PGA Tour? It was close this time, right? 20 and nine months or something like that. Man, I mean, like if Tiger didn't do it. I I think it's possible. I think it's possible, but I guess it depends on how fractured it becomes with the live maybe, but I'm going to say no. Hottest seat in Big Ten basketball. Oh, man, I think it's got to be Woodson. I mean, Indiana, you know, they lost a decent amount, but he's 
it hasn't really recruited anybody no. phenomenal, right? Like when I watch them, I'm not inspired by watching Indiana no, like terrible. I have been in the past. They're not fun to watch. You know, they could just they could just rely on Trace Jackson Davis the last couple of years and know that they probably were going to be in every game, and they don't have that anymore. I, no, so I think it's. Woodson. I'm going Juwan, but I think. Woodson, oh, Juwan too. Yeah, Woodson's I just I kind of count Juwan as he doesn't even count as a gone. coach. Yeah, Woodson's a close second for me though. And I think Holtman's up there. Um, I don't see Ohio State getting rid of Holtman. Mm, I think he's I a good know. coach. I, I think he's a good coach, but I don't know. They've been great. All right, that's 158. Uh, let us know your picks for this weekend if you have them. Um, Send us your mailbag questions. We love them. Yeah, appreciate you guys listening. Couldn't do it without you. All right, kind of in the realm of coaches getting fired and so on and so forth. As the now very much behind the scenes Will Smith once said, money and success don't change people. They merely amplify what is already there.